Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing against the Messiah? If tonight were not Christmas, or if we falsely believe that that Christmas was merely a feeling, something we create, something we need to manufacture or produce, this question from Psalm 2 would be very depressing. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot a vain thing? We might even be tempted to say, why does the world have to ruin Christmas? Why do so many people try to turn Christmas into a commercial frenzy? Why do people not get it? Why do people fight today? Why are there wars? Why does my family not get along? Why do my kids have to be acting up? Why is my life not going like I want? Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? But Christmas has already happened. So this question is not asked in despair, but in triumph. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot a vain thing? It's like asking, why would a mouse plot against a lion? He's lost even before he's begun. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The world views the reign and authority of Christ as an obligation, a burden, cords or chains to to cast away, worthless superstition, an opiate of the masses, something to, to, to only to take your time, your money, and to distract you from the pleasures of life. But they don't realize that they already are bound and chained. Christ has come to bring freedom. They work and plot and take counsel together on how they can work to save themselves. Without the hope of eternal life, they, they try to hold on to their life however They can, trying to outsmart God. We can solve our own issues. We can defeat death. We have no need for God. Yet he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall scoff at them. We can be discouraged easily by what we can see around us. The raging of the nations, the foolishness of the world around us, especially the king's, and rulers who who do things and make laws with the goal of saving themselves apart from God, even considering the church to be unsafe or putting other things before the worship of God. And yet we have to remember that this psalm isn't referring only to earthly government and rulers. Rather, anyone who sets himself up as their own best hope makes themselves their own king and their own lord. And they do not understand the peace on earth 
that the angels announced. A number of years ago, there was a popular slogan that made its way into t-shirts and other things that said, peace through superior firepower. We want peace so bad that we're willing to kill over it. And the reason we do is because we think that we are superior in some way, shape, or form to our neighbors. We self-justify. My sins aren't as bad as theirs. I know better. The reason we don't have peace is because of people like them. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll come and confess our sins, but then we turn around and we find someone else who we think has sinned more. That's how we create peace. Peace of mind, peace of conscience, by telling myself I'm not as bad as someone else. Peace can only come by my own working. Peace can only come once I'm rid of those who trouble me. But what we're really doing when we self-justify is, is casting the one person, the only person, who can justify us away. We say with the kings of Psalm 2, let us break the triune God's bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So we too need to hear God's law. We need to know of God's wrath and deep displeasure against us and our sin. But again, it's to break our chains and to loose us from the slavery of sin and guilt that Jesus our true king has been born into the world. God says in an echo of Daniel's prophecy to King Nebuchadnezzar, who tried to get men to bow down to him as king and God, God says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, which is to say the mountain, the mountain of Zion. The stone the cord, the bonds that the people rejected has become a great mountain, the chief cornerstone, the cornerstone of an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of Christ and his church. Christ, who is held by his mother, holds the universe. And not haphazardly, he rules all things for the good of the church. Whatever happens, whether wars, rumors of wars, plagues, pandemics, famines, even cosmic things like supernovas, whatever happens is for the good of the church, his eternal kingdom. The world thinks it can overthrow the church and add just a little more time to its life by, by bowing to created things. But we know eternal life is not found in created things but only in he who created the world. So Christ responds in the psalm, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This sounds like God the Father saying, Now, Jesus, you're going to be born today on Christmas. But at Christmas, realize that we're not just recognizing Jesus birth in time in a manger in Bethlehem. Christmas celebrates two births. Really, an eternal birth. Christmas also celebrates Christ's eternal birth, that is his begottenness, 
his going forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity, as Micah said. And it's especially evident at, at this service spanning uh, evening to morning, recalling for us that creation itself was affected by the word of God, the pre-incarnate Christ. And this is what we confess in the Nicene and Athanasian creeds when we say, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with his Father, by whom all things were made. At Christmas, yes, we recognize that Christ was born, and yet we can't ever forget that there was never a time when Christ did not exist. You know, for everyone else, when, when you're born or you're conceived, that's when you begin to exist. But Christ, although he's born of the Virgin Mary, he is at the same time eternally begotten of the Father. So when Psalm 2 says, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you, that word today means not a particular date in history, such as December 25th, but truly today, today, the present. When God says today, he truly means today. Today, Christ is eternally begotten of the Father. And tomorrow, which will become today, Christ is eternally begotten of the Father. Every day, world without end. We are living in the eternal generation of the Son, the kingdom of Christ. We didn't have to live in Bethlehem in the year zero A.D. to experience Christmas. Christ is begotten today and is sitting at the right hand of God, even as he fills all things according to his human nature, born of Mary. Christ has the nations for his inheritance. Nothing happens ever that is not good for the church. Nothing happens ever that is outside of Christ's control. So any king, any person who tries to set themselves up against Christ and against his church will be broken with a rod of iron and dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. Like broken pottery is how easy Christ overcomes all the enemies of his church. And that also means he breaks our sins and our sinful natures in the same way. So lest we again set ourselves against Christ, God also says to us, Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. Fear God, not man. Fear God, not kings or princes. What can man do to you? Fear God, not death. The worst death can do to you is kill you. But you are son of God, living in the eternal generation of the Son. So if you die, you'll be raised up again to new life as peacefully as night 
passes today. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Don't fear or bow to created things. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. If you were here on Wednesday uh, for our final Advent Vespers, you heard this, but the second movement of Handel's Messiah follows Psalm 2. Talking about the kings of the earth setting themselves up against Christ. Right after the Psalm 2 portion of Handel's Messiah is the Hallelujah Chorus. When the Messiah was first performed in London for the first time in 1743, King George II spontaneously stood up at the words, For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. And when the king stands, you stand. And so for 280 years, people have been standing in reverence for the King of kings and Lord of lords. No king on earth can set themselves up against Christ. All kings must stand and bow before him. The psalm closes. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Even a little wrath from God is enough to destroy entire nations. And yet for his kingdom, the kingdom of Christ and of his church, notice God doesn't say, safe are all those who put their trust in him as if we are merely exempt from punishment, as if the best thing about Christianity and the church is that we won't go to hell. And, you know, that's often how we talk about it if we're trying to convince someone to believe in God. You know, if I'm wrong in believing in, in Christ, I have nothing to lose. But if you're wrong, then you have everything to lose, which is actually the same argument that, that, that those uh, unbelievers of the earth use for how they spend their time. But what God actually says is, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. The sum and accumulation of all good things has come, is coming, and will continue to come to all who trust in Christ. Christ works all things together for the good of the church. And this we see not with our eyes, for our eyes deceive us. Rather, we see with the eyes of faith. So blessed are you, even as you suffer in a world that rages and plots for the scraps of the kingdoms of the world. It plots in vain. But because Christ has come into the world dressed in scraps and placed in a manger, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Merry Christmas, in Jesus' name, amen.